All right, here's the question. It's a moral, ethical question. I want to see what you would do. You're driving down the road. It's winter time. It's snowy outside. It's cold. It's blistery cold. You're driving down the road. It's late at night. You come to this bus stop. You're passing by a bus stop, and you see three people. An older lady, she looks like she's about to die at any moment. She is just in bad, bad shape. Next to her is, a, is an old friend of yours who at one time you hadn't seen for years, who at one time actually had saved your life. And next to him was standing a most beautiful woman you'd ever seen. For the ladies, the most beautiful man you'd ever seen in your life. You're single, of course, driving this car. And <laughs> just put that in there. And this could be the man or the woman of your dreams. This was, a, and so you only have room for one person in your car. The question is, obviously you're going to stop and try to help, but who are you going to help? The old lady about to die? An old friend that saved your life at one time? Or perhaps the man or woman of your dreams? Turn to your neighbor and tell them what you would do. Come on. Come on. What choice? What choice? All right. Okay. Who would, who would stop and pick up the old lady about to die? Okay. I want to make sure I'm around you when I get really old. How about the friend that saved his life at one time? Raise your hand. Okay. It's funny. And how about the, 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 the knockout, the, the, the man, the woman of your dreams? That, come on. At least you're honest. Bro, Jerry, come on. <laughs> I love the honesty. I love the honesty. How many would say, I, I just keep on going? Raise your hand. Just, uh, okay, we, we need to meet afterwards. We need to pray, talk a little bit. And so this was actually a question given to 200 candidates for a job. The guy that got the job answers the question like this in just a matter of short time. He didn't even think about it long. He wrote down and said, I would stop. I would get out. I would give the keys to my good friend after I give him a hug to my car I would tell him to take this old lady who's about to die to the hospital, and I would stand and wait beside that beautiful woman. You got to think outside the box more. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are just going to keep on driving. What's wrong with you? Christmas time. Don't you love Christmas time? I'm loving this thing. I, I'm going to start using it more. Makes me feel like I'm on the loose. <laughs> Christmas time, it's just like calm, right? And just, it's like that peaceful, peaceful time of the year. We, we were, we were um, playing games the other night, uh, Patrick, Hannah, Melissa, and I, and our son. We were just playing, we were sitting around uh, playing some games. And my, my uh, son-in-law and daughter have the screensaver at their house, like on the TV. You probably have it. And, and the screensaver is, is a beautiful picture of, of this, of this uh, room of a house that's set in there. Uh, and outside the windows is the snow falling and people walking by in the snow and things like that. And the house across the street is all lit up and, and Christmas lights. And 
Inside, you, you know, snow, and inside though, there's, it's calm, it's, 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 a, there's a fireplace going, come on, there's a, you're sitting at a table looking out the window with some, uh, with a book in your hand, a nice soft chair with some coffee as well, and a little, a little coffee machine next to you in case you run out, and heck, it's just, it's just a beautiful, we just, between, you know, rounds of our game, we just sit and just kind of stare at the screensaver, you know what I'm talking about? And finally, Patrick said the thing that we all know to be true. He said, that would never happen. It never happens. How many know that never happens? You're in Alabama. Come on. You know it doesn't snow. Come on. It doesn't happen. And even if it did snow, that still wouldn't happen. I promise you it wouldn't happen. We long for those moments where it's just peaceful though, don't we? It's just calm, and we know what it looks like. We know what it maybe could be like, but it seems like it escapes us all the time. Christmas, a time to reflect, a time to look back at what God's done in our life and look back at what God's done in the world, for that matter. It's a wonderful time of the year. It's a time that many people, you know, feel like it's a, a time to think of others. I think that's the beautiful part of Christmas is because it's, 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 it's loving others more than you love yourself. And God, you know, I think in our calendar, I, I'm thankful that we have Christmas. I think we'll have Easter and other types of holidays where we, we think of things that have happened in the past that were very important to us. It's important. I grew up in a, in a church uh, setting years ago in my childhood where we weren't allowed to celebrate things. We weren't allowed to celebrate anything. In fact, we felt like, the, well, at least I felt like, that if you went, went into church, a building, into, that it was a holy place, it was so holy that you couldn't smile or you couldn't laugh. And you couldn't giggle, or you couldn't cut up, or you couldn't party, or anything like that. It was just, it was just a place where it was a solemn, and it was holy, and it was reverential, and that's the attitude you had to have. Like the little boy, he was sitting there with his family at, at Christmas time, and they were in that very holy setting, and the father and the wife and the children, the little boy, the son at the end, and the little boy at the end kept making noise and laughing and cutting up and chuckling. And the father wrote a note, pass it down. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to take you out and spank you. The boy kept chuckling. He wrote a second note. He wrote three notes. Stop it now. I'm taking you and going to spank you. The little boy finally chuckled so loud it just couldn't. The father got up, grabbed his little boy, put him over his shoulder, started walking out of the church. The little boy said, pray for me, church. Pray for me, lest I be persecuted for his name's sake. <laughs> but I believe at the heart of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I think the happiest place we should be is right here. I believe the most peaceful place we should be would be places like this, all across our land. Do you know they did some research and since they've been recording history more than 3,500 years ago, they have tallied up a total of 286 years of cumulative peace in the earth. Out of 3,500 years of existence of the world, we can only muster up 286 years of world peace in our, in our globe. Over 8,000 peace treaties had been made and broken in the course of that time. 
peace. We long for peace, but seldom do we have it. I want to take us to the book of Luke chapter 2 this morning, and I want to read a little bit of the Christmas story, and I want to talk about peace today. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. That's about an 80-mile track if you're wondering how far that was. It's a long way to go, walking or riding a donkey. Or... And because he belonged to the house in the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Going on, verse 8. And there were shepherds, shepherds, they were shepherds out in the field. Shepherds, in those days, you have to understand, shepherds were considered the, the lowest of the lowest of society. They, they, it, was the, it was the job that you had when you just couldn't get any other job. It was, it was the lowlifes had that. It, it was, in fact, the, the shepherds were so unreliable that they weren't even allowed to give testimony in a court of law about some kind of a situation because no one could believe what they had to say. Shepherds. And it was the shepherds out in the field, the Bible says, um, by night, and, 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 and they, were, they were all friends. You, you see, they all got together. They got together around the, around the well, and they would talk before they would t go out to their respective fields. They would come back and talk and visit and hang out. And they all knew each other's families, and they were all shepherds out in the field watching over the flocks. But I know these flocks that they were watching, interesting because in, in, in Jerusalem, which, which is the capital, it's where the temple was, they would go and they would offer sacrifices unto the Lord. Many times people would come and offer a lamb to be sacrificed, to be right with God for that next year. And so where would they get these sheep? Well, Israel had this thing about, we don't want shepherds and sheep around our town. So they relegated the shepherds and sheep herding to a certain area south, way far south, away from Jerusalem in large populations because they just didn't like shepherds. They didn't want them around. But there was a certain group of shepherds that were allowed to shepherd sheep right outside of Jerusalem in a town called Bethlehem, in the hills of Bethlehem. And these sheep that they were raising were not to be slaughtered, to be eaten, or even used for fur. This was, these were sheep that were used specifically to be sacrificed at the temple. They were raising sacrificial sheep. It's amazing that Jesus would come to that particular vicinity, Bethlehem, where, where sheep that would be led to slaughter would be raised. Not by accident. And so here they are watching their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news they will cause great joy for all the people. And today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. A great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Everybody say it with me. Peace. Come on, one more time. Peace to those to whom his favor rests. Now, let me give you a little context 
of this time period. Sometimes it helps me understand a little bit better the story that I'm reading if I understand the context of that, of that time. In this particular time, the Mediterranean basin, which is where Israel was located, had been in incredible um, dismay and, and, and disarray. Julius Caesar had been in power for quite a few years, and he had gone out and he had expanded this empire called the Roman Empire. And as he was uh, going along, he he didn't have any children that he could, you know, turn over this thing to at some point, but he did have this guy named Octavian who was named after his father. Octavian's grandmother was the sister of Julius Caesar and was a very talented young man, so much so it caught Julius Caesar's eye. So Julius Caesar said, if I ever pass away, if I ever die, I'm telling you, Octavian will take my place. He's going to be the eventual ruler of the empire. And so it just so happened the very next year, Julius Caesar was killed. And so within that time period, um, now Octavian, his grandson, is now made, um, is now made the ruler, Octavian, um, is made, along with two other people, Mark Antony and a guy by the name of Lepidus. And they split the Roman Empire three different ways. And for decades, the Mediterranean basin, the world was filled with all sorts of chaos as these three different type of powers tried to, to, to take control of that entire empire. Well, finally, Mark Antony and Octavian got together and they kicked Lepidus out. So Lepidus, he, was, he was exiled out of the scene, no longer a threat. And so now it's just two powers. And then Mark Antony got together with a lady by the name of Cleopatra. You may be familiar with that name. And she had a lot of money and a lot of wealth. And so he figured with her money and wealth, he could get together and come against Octavian and take over the Roman Empire. But, um, but the way it turned out, Octavian, with less um, armies and ships and, and navy than Mark Antony had collected through Cleopatra, Octavian won the war. His ships were better suited for battle. And then he marched into Egypt and to um, Alexandria, and there Mark Antony committed suicide as well as Cleopatra. And now Octavian is now named emperor of all the Roman Empire. He says, and, and he was an incredible individual to, to some degree, very intellectual, administrative um, genius in a sense. And he said, you know what? I don't want to be named, known as Octavian. I want to be named Caesar Augustus. So he named himself Caesar Augustus, Caesar after Julius Caesar, uh, his relative, and Augustus meaning the um, son of a deified one. <laughs> so he named himself Caesar, the son of a deified one. That's quite a shoes to fill. The world that Jesus now is born into had only had 22 decades of, of time that Octavian had taken over, 27 BC. They had still, they were still rocking and reeling from years of strife. In fact, Rome itself was a city that had been ransacked and it had been ravished. And the people that did have money at one time don't have any money because they paid it all in taxes and to empower these people trying to take over the empire. It was a, it was a, tough time in that whole place. And now Octavian's in power. And Octavian, he had a couple of things going for him. Number one, for the first time, there was a, one ruler of the empire, like Julius. Uh, secondly, what he had going for him was the fact that 
the, the political and administrative skills that he brought to the table. He's, like I said, he was a brilliant man. And thirdly, he brought lots of money from Egypt to pay all the Roman soldiers and, and to kickstart the economy, but he still needed more money because he, he didn't have a desire, unlike Julius, to expand the kingdom. He just wanted to solidify the kingdom. So he needed money. He needed money to build better roads. He needed money to build um, better systems. And so he says, we're going to do something. We're going to... We're going to have a tax, but I don't want people to know there's a tax because they get all upset about the tax. I mean, we'll tell them there's a tax, but we'll kind of ease the, 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 the discomfort of being taxed again by giving a census. So we'll just make everybody go back to their hometown and have a family reunion, and maybe that'll take a little bit of the edge off of the sting of being taxed again. So he ordered a census with a taxation to be taking place so everybody would go back and he could get some more money, but they could have a family reunion. So Joseph heads back to his hometown to be taxed and to have a census, fulfill the census. And so you have to understand that Joseph heads back to see family, to see aunts, uncles, grandparents, which to me bothers me because I wonder if he, how come somebody in his family didn't reach out to him and say, listen, you don't need to stay in a cave on the side of a little hill here for a, to, to have a baby come and stay with us. There was some stuff going on in Joseph's perhaps back life that we don't understand because it didn't seem like anybody was welcoming him at all. So this is the world that Jesus was born into. One government, one road system, and one language. It was the perfect scenario for God to bring his son to the earth. Never before had there been such an incredible unifying time. In fact, they would name this, starting with Octavian or Caesar Augustus, for the next 200 years, they would name that or call that season of time the Pax Romana, which means the era of peace of Rome. And some, some historians would say to you that in the history of the world, that was the most peaceful two centuries of time that the world's ever experienced, starting with Octavian. But it started, off rough, it started off rough. It started off with people in disarray, people used to wars, used to people used to strive, used to being um, um, fighting with one another, and now Jesus comes into the world. And this is why it's so important to understand. He was born when people longed for peace in the world. They were tired of everyone fighting with everybody. They were, they, just, they were just working their fields, working their jobs, and they were suffering immeasurably because of all the power struggles going on in the world. And they, they, they were suffering while they were trying to get bigger, and, and they just wanted to be, can we just get along? And in this little cave, dug out of a little hill, they would call it a manger, or call it a little stable, this little child was born. What a gift. Look at Luke chapter two. Suddenly angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven, it says, the other translation calls these, these angels not a host, they call them armies of heaven, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace has now in one moment returned to the earth just as peace had been in the garden. Because when Adam and Eve was walking the garden, there was peace. They didn't, Adam didn't talk to God every day, go, man, I'm really stressed out, God. I need you to give me some medicine, some pills. I mean, I'm just, this, thing, this garden's overwhelming me. No, 
He lived in an era of peace, no strife, no anxiety, no stress, no worries, no tension. And Adam slept well at night. But when Adam sinned, peace left the earth for 4,000 years. No peace in the earth. A void had now come into the earth and wholeness could no longer be grasped. Uh, harmony was vanished and healthy emotions disappeared. The demonic began to take place in the world and people actually began to be oppressed and even possessed by demonic spirits. Their minds were racing. Their thoughts were out of control. They couldn't even, they couldn't even enjoy life as it was given. Jesus would come and find himself over and over coming and laying hands and casting demons out and speaking peace into the world. Everywhere he went, he brought peace into the land. Peace had arrived. Mentally, the blessing of peace couldn't be grasped until Jesus came. Spiritually, the healing of peace couldn't be obtained. Emotionally, the purity of peace could not be entered into. And physically, the cure of peace could not be enjoyed. Man just struggled through life for 4,000 years. Yes, there was moments of peace here and there. A person, but even that peace that the person had that believed in God was limited. But then the angels, they come. And they don't come going, hey, hey, y'all. Hey, hey, gather around. Hey, man, something cool is happening over there in Bethlehem, man. Y'all might want to check it out. Oh, it's just a savior. The Messiah is here. No, no, the Bible says that a heavenly host, in fact, the armies of heaven, the armies that, that have been, that were flat out, worn out from watching man strive and on this earth without peace, finally these angels who were just, just so excited about what is about to happen joins the earth because the cure has finally arrived and they're exclaiming, they're shouting, the cure has arrived, like the, like the doctor coming down the 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 the, the corridor with a vial that's going to save this person with cancer from a disease that's ravaged his heart or his body or, or like the, the boxer that was, is about to be punched to the ground, about to go out and pass out and suddenly the bell comes and say, says you can go back to your corner and get a little bit of rest like the cavalry coming to help the soldier who's about to be overtaken, who's been fighting for, for hours upon hours. Finally, the cavalry comes. This is what the angels are coming to say. The heavenly hosts explode upon the scene. The armies of heaven letting us know there's a big deal going on. It's a big deal in heaven, and it's a big deal on the earth. The cure has arrived, and God is clearing the atmosphere from every opposition. God is clearing the atmosphere, making sure nothing aborts his plan. God is saying through the armies of heaven, announcing the proclamation of the Messiah's birth, uh, this is going down. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to cause me to change my mind. Today, I initiate Operation Restore Mankind. Uh, there's a baby right over there waiting to restore peace. Come on, can you give God some praise for that this morning? The heavens joined the earth. The angels joined the shepherds. Heaven and earth become one family for just a moment to celebrate this event. Anytime you have an army celebrating peace, it's a big deal. Think World War II post World War II, ticker tape parade, New York City. 
Think confetti. Think parade. Think hugging. Think laughing. Think parties. Think men hugging their wives as they come back from war. I'm talking about this kind of peace. When peace comes, to, the news of peace comes to the soldier in the foxhole when he's got his gun looking for the enemy and the news comes, there's peace. Uh, that means everything's changed. Put the gun down. Uh, get out of the foxhole. Go back to your family. Live life again. Everything changes when peace comes to the earth. And that's why the angels sang. I mean, they break out in a song. Glory to God in the highest peace on the earth. What does peace mean? It means to, 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 to set at one again. What they were saying is just like it was in the days of Adam, it now is again. Oh, right now, we're going to change this thing. And what Adam enjoyed in the garden, you're going to begin to experience through the life of this little child as he grows up. Again, what Adam experienced, you're going to be able to experience. It's called the supernatural peace uh, because supernatural peace has just hit the earth uh, in a form of a baby in a manger in a little cave. Mm. And yet, unbeknownst to the world, has this event happened. Here's the little child, the Messiah. God in the flesh, wrapped in skin, the redeemer of mankind. Only the shepherds really knew about it. No one believed them when they talked about it because you don't believe shepherds. This Messiah, this Prince of Peace. And yet life goes by. The next morning, you can hear the pitter-patter of footsteps of men going out to their fields to work the fields like they always did, shovels, picks on their shoulders across the field from this little manger where this Messiah had been born, where the shepherds had been that night celebrating and partying across the field, our little kids playing soccer on the field across, I'm kidding, but... In the, in down the corner uh, in, this, in, in the Bethlehem coffee shop, the college students are studying for their exam over their Bethlehem latte. The women are down by the well just a couple hundred yards away as they had been every morning gossiping about their recipes and who's got the best dish this week and who's seeing who and who's visiting who and what's going on in the community. Nothing has changed to them. It's just life as normal, life as it always is. Uh, isn't it interesting how they can just live their life uh, with no understanding that just a few hundred yards away from where they're sitting or standing or working or playing, the kingdom of heaven had come to the earth. Uh, isn't it shocking to us uh, that we can live in a world where God literally visits the earth uh, and yet we don't even understand what he's doing. We don't have a clue what he's doing. Can I say to you this morning, church, wake up. Uh, the world that you live in is not the world that God's desired you to understand. He lives in the spirit realm. We must worship and know God in the spirit. What's God doing in the earth around you in the spirit uh, that you don't even have a clue of what he's doing? Oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning. We live in the, everything's about 
you know, what I got to do today. And I got I to gotta study here. I got to get ready for that test. I got to get ready for my job. I got to make an appointment with my hair stylist. I got to go shopping for this and got to do this and I got to do that. And all the time, there's spiritual things that work going on that God wants you and I to understand, to be a part of. There's something that he's working on. There's a big puzzle that he's putting together and he's looking for somebody that will walk in the spirit, not after the flesh, uh, so he can fulfill his destiny for all of humanity. And my question is, are you going to be one that walks in the spirit or will you walk in the flesh? It's just a handful of shepherds that really knew what was going on in the entire earth. In the entire earth, God himself kisses the earth with a kiss and only a handful of you understand what he's doing? Do you know what God's doing in your family? Do you know what God's doing in your earth? Your earth, we are all earthen vessels. Do you know what he's doing in your earth? And so he comes and they announce, the angels announce, peace. They didn't, they didn't say, hey, good news, patience has come to the earth. Good news, justice has come to the earth. No, they, they, they said peace has come to the earth because what peace, peace is what people long for. They're worn out in their mind. They're threatened in every area of their life. There's chaos in their home. There's emotions. They're out of control. They're troubled in their spirit. What people really want uh, is peace. And God knew that humanity was dying a slow death uh, by the lack of peace in their life. Uh, that's why, have you ever wondered why people even come down to this area of the nation to, to take their vacation or their holidays? You go talk to them. Why you, why'd you drive so many hours just to come down here? I just had to get to the beach. Okay, cool. Why do you want to sacrifice and spend so much money and drive hours just to sit in sand? Ah, there's nothing like, there's nothing like the beach. And you ask them further, inquire, well, what is it? Really, what is it you, that, that you love about the beach? Ah, I just love the sound, I guess, of the waves. I, I, I don't know. I just skid, sit in my long chair, my, my, my beach chair, and I sit there, and I just hear the sound of the waves and the sun, and, 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 and I'm just like feeling peaceful. Yeah, peaceful. I... I I have to understand, and you need to get this, that people will do anything for a little peace. And so God says, I'm going to bring peace into the world. Susanna Wesley, she was a mother of 19 kids. Nine of them passed away early in infancy. Let's go ahead and show Miss Susanna. And Susanna Wesley was a woman of God. Her husband was in and out of trouble, gone a lot. They were in debt. But she loved God. She homeschooled her children, her 10 children. One of her children was crippled. Another one didn't speak for until he was about six years old. And she just loved God. And she said, I'm going to, I'm going to devote two hours of prayer to God every day. And after she milked the cows and, and did all the 
cooking and cleaned up and everything and made sure all the kids had their stuff together, she would go and she would sit in a corner in, in, a, in a chair and she would put her apron up over her head. It was a small little house. They had already had two houses burned down. Some people believe by people that they owed money to, that her husband owed money to, that they couldn't pay. And they lived in a small little house, but she would sit in a corner with an apron over her head. And the children knew that when mama had her apron over her head, they couldn't talk to her. They couldn't bother. They couldn't touch her. They couldn't settle an argument. They couldn't do, she was off limits. She wasn't there. And if you interrupt her when her head, aprons covered her head, then you were in a lot of trouble. Even Susanna Wesley found a way to get peace in her life. Because peace isn't an ocean and it's not a little fire while there's snow outside. Peace is greater than that. It's the presence of God in your life. And her peace produced such an influence upon her children. Go ahead and put the next slide. She would have two of her children, John on the left and Charles on the right. John becoming, John Wesley, one of the greatest, most prolific speakers and communicators of the gospel in the history of the world. He would later go on to start the Methodist denomination. Thousands and thousands of people would come to Christ through John Wesley. And this man, his brother, Charles on the right, would write nine, over 9,000 hymns. He wrote a hymn a day. Over 9,000, many of them we sing still to this day that lift up and bring glory to God. All this produced because there was a woman in their life as they were growing up who knew how to tap into the peace of God. Let me tell you something, peace has a power. So let me just tell you really quickly this morning before we have to leave, why do you need to pursue peace in your life? Number one, you need to pursue peace because peace will keep you from drifting. It will keep you from drifting. You see, peace is found in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, in a sense, peace, you can write this down, is an anchor to your soul. We know that the Bible tells us that hope is an anchor, but so is peace. When you have peace in your life, you don't just start drifting through life. I was scuba diving with a friend of mine years ago, and we went out the pass, and, and uh, we went out to a sunken oil um, uh, uh, rig down in the water. You couldn't see. It was 130 feet down. You couldn't see the rig. It was murky water, and so he said, we're here. I said, we're here where? He said, we're over the rig. I said, well, I don't see it. He goes, it's there. I said, well, what are we going to do? Because the wind was blowing. And he said, we're going to anchor up. I said, well, how are you going to do that? He goes, watch. And so we, he, the wind was going from um, west to east. He says, uh, I'm going to go a little bit west, and I'm going to put my anchor down, and I'm going to drift across the rig. And so we drifted across the rig, and we just kept on drifting. And then he pulled it up, and he goes, let's try it out again. We did it again, and we drifted across, and we drifted across, and kept on drifting. He goes, pull it up, let's try it again. And we would pull it up, and we put it down 130 feet down, and we go like this, and we get right over the rig, and suddenly the boat goes, and it doesn't move. He goes, put your scuba gear on, guys, we're going diving. How come we're going diving? Because we caught, the anchor caught something more powerful than the boat. When you have peace in your life, you stop drifting. Your emotions stop drifting. You're, you're not a slave to feelings. You're not a slave to impulses. You're not a prisoner to circumstances around you. You live in a place of peace. You need peace in your life. 
Which leads me to number two, why do I need to pursue peace? Because peace keeps me calm in the middle of a storm. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three and four, look at this. You, I love this verse, you will keep me in partial peace. Oh, some are looking at, and some are watching. You will keep me in perfect peace. Man, that, that's a powerful passage right there. You have the opportunity, as I, to live your life in perfect peace. What does perfect peace look like? Well, that's what you have to, to experience. He'll keep you in perfect peace to all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord is the eternal rock. So, so we, can, we can live in perfect peace. So there was a king, and he was given a contest. And he wanted to give this contest uh, out to all the artists in his kingdom. And so I will give a nice prize to the artist who can paint the picture that expresses peace more than any other picture. And so, man, all the artists went to work. And, they began, and they, they're all done. They finished. They came and they brought their, their paintings to, to the king. And so he began to go one after another and uncover the, the, the painting that was on the easel in this huge room. And he'd take it over and he'd look at it. He'd look at it, look at it. And then he'd keep on going. He didn't say anything. There was only two left for him to see. And people were getting a little bit, you know, uneasy because it didn't seem like he showed any kind of interest in any of them. And there was two left. And so he, he, he took this cover off this one and go ahead and show that. And it looked peaceful to everybody else. I mean, sun, you know, all the hills and the sun, and the, and the sun going down. And, and you got the beautiful little peaceful lake there and the sheep are just grazing in the field. I mean, that, that's a picture of peace to, to most of the people in the room. They go, that's, that's a beautiful picture. And still the king went on. One left. And so he said, uncover the last one. He uncovered the last one. And here's what they gave him. And people looked at that and they were astonished. Like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. I, did this artist not know what the contest was? It's about peace, not chaos. There's lightning in the background. It's stormy. It's a craggy rocks. Uh, water's coming up. People actually felt like they were getting wet as they were looking at the picture. Obviously, this guy didn't understand, but the king walked up closer and closer and closer and began to look at this picture. And finally, he saw it. Go ahead, show us. Right there. A little bird in a nest in the middle of the craggy rocks with the water falling all over it. And the king realized... That is peace. It's not beautiful sheep grazing on the pasture land with a nice beautiful lake underneath. No. It's when all the storms of life have come against you and yet you sit peacefully on your nest in a safe place guarded by God. Amen? And number three, Peace lets me know what direction to take. I can't touch peace. I can't taste peace. I can't smell peace. I can't even really see peace, but I can 
since peace. Colossians chapter 3, and Paul says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. In other words, let this peace that you have access to lead your life, lead your footsteps. Melissa and I were talking the other day, and I said, Melissa, give me a time in your life where you felt like you were being led by the peace of God. She said, well, I think the first time I ever experienced being led by the peace was when I was uh, at the community college and been playing ball for several years, and a coach had come from a university and talked to my coach, and I was hearing the conversation, and he was wanting to offer me a full-ride scholarship to the university to come play ball with them and for them. And even though he hadn't turned to me yet and asked me and, and given me that proposition or that opportunity for a full education, a full ride, she said, I just kind of, I just, she, this is what she said, I went like this. Mm, I, don't, I don't think that's what I need to do. No, she wanted to study, she wanted to play ball, she, she, she wanted to do all that. But for some reason, she said, I had this thing right here, I couldn't explain it, I couldn't explain it to my dad, couldn't explain it to anybody. I just, something wasn't right, just like, mm. Have you ever had one of those moments? Like, mm, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? This is perfect. Mm, I don't know. Well, you better figure it out. What's keeping you from doing it? Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you making that phone call? Why don't you get that job? Why aren't you moving it? What, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I don't know. Well, a week and a half later, she began to realize how she, why she had this. Because someone gave her a phone call and began a conversation with her that would lead to a full ride scholarship. This lasted almost 30 years. His name was J.P. Wilson, and I gave her a full ride. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and she's still living off my scholarship I offered her. I was thankful when I gave, you know, when I, when I popped the question, asked her if she married, I'm glad she didn't go, <laughs> uh, I don't understand the peace of God sometimes. I just, I just know that it's there, and it leads me. Every major decision of my life, there has been a peace there when I moved in the direction that God gives you. Listen, sweetheart, if, you, if some guy asks you out, some guy wants to marry you, and you, and you got this, you better run. I'm telling you, you better run fast because that's the peace of God. God is leading. Oh, God never talks to me. doesn't talk to me. God, you know, I don't see nothing in the clouds. I don't say, I don't, you know, people say God talks. Oh, no, he talks. It's like this. That's what it's like. Number four, peace keeps my heart guarded. 
then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Well, finally, I told you a couple months ago, we, Hannah and Patrick, Melissa and I, we were up in uh, Washington, D.C., and, and Patrick wanted to go see the National Archives. I'll be honest, I've been to D.C. several times, but I've never been to the National Archives. I didn't even know what it was. He goes, uh, Pastor, that's where all the famous documents are. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that. He goes, yeah, we got to go. We got to go. I got to see the Constitution. I got to see the Declaration of Independence. I, we got to go. Well, and so we ha- you had to make an appointment to go see. And so we got there uh, at our s- select time, and we get there, and we're met by guards. And they're like, question us, and okay, you got the right time, you got, okay. Uh, and so they, they, they made us go through a you know, screening, we had to go through a security check, we had to you know, take everything out of our pockets. And I'm like, for crying out loud, we're just going to go see some paper. What's up with all this? And then we get in this room, and th- these big boxes, you know, uh, with glass on them, with s- these documents are underneath there, and they got guards standing by each one. And man, I felt like, I, I didn't even like want to read them, because I felt like, you know, I was going to get arrested or something. You know, they're like, you know, watching people go by, and, and they got other guards walking around the room, and everything was quiet, and I'm like, you know, just trying to be, you know, look like I'm just walk, looking at things because that's what I was doing, but I, I felt guilty. I felt like I was going to get arrested at any moment, you know. I had to go to the bathroom, went down this hallway, and this guy was standing there looking like this, gave him the stink eye, like. <laughs> I'm like, is the bathroom there? He goes, no, it's that way. I'm like, okay, excuse me, officer, excuse me, excuse me. Just got to go potty. So I, I was just, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? This is, this is they're just, just pieces of paper. No, these documents uh, that they're guarding are worth what is the foundation of our nation. Our entire democracy is determined by the words on these pieces of paper. It's not just words, it's everything. And, and so they were guarding it uh, and they wanted to make sure that people understood the, the, the significance uh, of these words. And, and I believe me, I did. I was glad to get out of there. I was like, that's good enough for me. I'm done. And, and, and this is what happens when, when, when you have the peace of God. It stands like a guard and, it's, and you got your heart, you got your emotions, you got your feelings, you got your purpose, you got your drive, you got God's destiny for you. And they're looking up over the peace of God's looking at, and everything comes in and tries to invade your heart, your purpose, the God's plan, and the peace of God goes, uh-uh-uh-uh. Get on out. No, no, no. And it, it's like this. That's what it's like. But you have to understand, that's God's guarding your heart. It's a supernatural gift that not everybody has. I know people that bought houses, properties, vehicles, married people, simply by the peace of God in their heart. Don't you belittle God's peace. God came to the earth uh, and he announced uh, at his very birth uh, that this gift called the peace of God would rule you. He gave you peace. He didn't give you justice. Uh, He gave you peace. uh, And you better understand the power of the peace of God. Number, number five, peace gives me confidence that God's always with me. And now may the Lord of, of peace himself 
grant you his peace at all times and in every way. There's some of you here. You, you, should be, you should be crazy by now. Come on. Some of you should have lost your mind by now. You should be in some kind of a, you know, a rehabilitation center. There have been things that have happened to you, things done to you and against you, around you, that for most people, they would cave in, they would collapse, and they would be dashed to the side. But not you. Here you are, looking all pretty, nice, waiting for Christmas to come. You haven't lost your mind. You haven't gone crazy. You've come close to going off on a few people from time to time. Come on. But you held your, you held your peace. The peace of God will lead you and it will keep you and it will always be with you. I love that. And lastly, peace gives me authority in the earth. What do you mean, preacher? I don't understand. Well, look, let's look at this beautiful passage in Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains, not the valleys, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, the church, your God reigns. You see, what I'm saying is, your peace will give you a platform. Your peace will elevate you to a mountaintop. Your peace will give you a message. Your peace will give you a voice. Listen to me, don't lose this. Come on, hang in here, one more moment. Your peace will give you a message when everybody has lost their voice. People will look and hear the authority that you carry that you don't even realize you have. What do you mean, preacher? Isaiah 9, verse 6, prophetically talking about Jesus. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And the Prince of peace. A prince, some, somebody that has power over a boundary or a location. Somebody who rules and determines the course of what's going to take place in his given territory. And in that manger was born a prince. And here's the good news, that prince would grow up and that prince would go to a cross and that prince would stand there or be placed there on that cross and God would, he would grab God's hand with one and he would grab humanity's hand with the other and he would say, it is finished. And he would 
take God's hand and he would join it with our hand. And suddenly all that he was, the Prince of Peace, has now become mine because of what he did on the cross. Come on. Can you give God some praise with me this morning, church? Aren't you thankful that the Prince of Peace has come to give you authority in the earth and a message to declare and something to do and something to say and a plan for your life? I'm thankful for the Prince of Peace. Thankful for the peace of God in my heart. Thankful for the peace. Thank you, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, also remain standing. You're here this morning. You would say, Pastor, I'm not familiar with that peace. In fact, I like the prayer teams to come front. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor, I'm not familiar with that peace that you're talking about. And that's because you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You're still doing things on your own. And today I say to you, today the Lord has come to you and he says, would you come? Would you want to be my child? Would, would you let me live in your life? Would you let me rule your life for you? This morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, you would say, Pastor, today I want to know Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Right where you're standing, would you just raise your hand? Not going to embarrass you? Not going to do anything? Just raise your hand. Amen? Amen? Come on. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Come on, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. In the very back, yes. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord. I want to say a prayer for those that have raised their hand. This is going to be the most important prayer you've ever prayed in your life. In fact, when we get done praying this prayer and we dismiss the day, I'm going to ask you to come and I'm going to ask you to come stand beside one of these wonderful people this morning. They're excited to, to talk to you and pray with you and a little bit more. But we're going to say a prayer. We're going to invite Jesus into our heart. In fact, I would like for all of us to join together as we pray this prayer. Would you all say this together? Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and changing my life forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Now, those that lifted your hand, make sure you come and talk to one of our people. And before you leave today, we have a Bible, a free Bible, that we want to give you. We want to put it in your hands with some material. We want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Now, I was praying today, and I was asking the Lord, God, how in the world do we finish the service on, prayer, on peace? Here's what I felt like God wanted me to do. I believe there's some people here today, and you need peace in your life. I think there's some situations going on with some of your family members. Could be some children. Could be a job situation. Could be a neighbor. Could be a health situation. And your, per your peace has been almost like stolen and ripped away. There's been a lot of stress, a lot of worry lately. Sleepless nights perhaps. The Lord again reminds you He's here with his peace. And so right where you're at, heads bowed, eyes closed, right where you're at, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need peace today. Come on, raise your hand. I need peace. Yeah, all across the room. Yeah. Now, keep your hand up. Now, I want everyone to open their eyes, and I want you to look at a person around you with their hands up. And I want you, as best you can, to get near them. Maybe go stand beside them. 
Maybe stretch your hand and put it on top of their shoulder. Come on, it's called body ministry. Come on, we're being a church. If the person's got their hand up and they don't have anyone touch them, you need to go over and touch them. What are you gonna do? You're gonna pray for them, that's what you're gonna do. We're gonna pray, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray together and you're gonna pray, you're gonna pray. Come on, everybody got somebody touching you, amen? All right, Father God, right now in Jesus' name, we, Lord God, invite your peace into these lives. That they will leave here, Lord God, with this incredible peace, as your word says, that passes understanding. Whatever the situation is, in Jesus' name, it has no authority on their life. The Prince of Peace has come. Today, the Prince of Peace has come and sets up residence right now in their spirit and their soul. And we thank you, Lord, beginning today, supernatural change has taken place. Good sleep, good decisions. Thank you, Father God, for your peace as we enter into this season, as the Prince of Peace has come. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Now, now listen, now listen, if, if you put your hand on somebody's shoulder, I want you to go up afterwards and go, hey, I want to introduce myself. You may not know me. I'm, I'm going to be praying for you this week. Can you, here's my name. Can you give me your name? I want to be standing in the gap because God's going to bring you peace this week. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Can we give God some praise?